There are two parts to today's homily or talk uh, from the Sacred Scripture of Mass. The first half will be a reflection upon the whole of the Scripture readings, or little insights into each of them. And then I'd like to focus on the second reading from the book of the Apocalypse or the book of Revelation. Interestingly, there are two places in Sacred Scripture where the curious detail of a charcoal fire is mentioned. One is today's Gospel, where the Apostles return from fishing to find bread and fish warming on the fire, prepared for them by Christ. The other is in the scene in the High Priest's courtyard on Holy Thursday, where Peter and some guards and slaves warm themselves while Jesus is being interrogated inside. At that fire in the courtyard of the high priest's palace, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times, as Jesus had predicted. The charcoal fire in today's Gospel reading becomes the scene of Peter's repentance, as three times Jesus asks him to make a profession of love. Jesus' thrice-repeated command, Feed my sheep, shows that Peter is being appointed as the shepherd of the Lord's entire flock, the head of his church. There is also something else required of Peter if he is to be the head of Christ's church. He must love Jesus more than the other apostles. This is a pointed reminder to Peter that he must be prepared to lay down his life for Christ even if the others weaken, and even to the extent of crucifixion. You will stretch out your hands, and somebody else will take you where you would rather not go. In the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, we see the beginning of the persecution of the Church, only weeks after the Lord's ascension. Before he ascended, Christ warned the apostles that they would be hated by the world as he was hated, and they would suffer as he suffered. They were glad to have the honour of suffering humiliation for the sake of Christ, because they knew that God would turn their mourning into dancing, as we heard in Psalm 29, and also that their suffering for Christ would make them worthy to stand in heaven before the Lamb who was sacrificed. Now this mention of the Lamb who was sacrificed as a vision in heaven switches our attention now to that second reading from Apocalypse chapter 5. Here we have a glimpse of the liturgy, the worship of God, as it happens in heaven there is a huge number of angels present and all is done in an ordered way. There is even prostration, head to the ground in worship. In other places of the book of Revelation, we are told all who are present at this heavenly liturgy in addition to the countless hosts of angels. There is all of creation represented by the four living beings. The servants of the Old and New Covenants, 
the 24 elders, the new people of God, the 144,000, and especially the martyrs who were slain for the word of God. There is the all-holy mother of God, the woman clothed with the sun and the moon at her feet and twelve stars around her head as a crown. And finally, a great multitude which no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, and from all peoples and tongues. This heavenly liturgy is the standard for and the goal of the Church's earthly liturgy. What we do here at Mass is not just for this time and this place. It is and must be directed towards the goal for which we strive, namely worship of God in heaven. This is the activity which will make us supremely happy, ever joyful and totally fulfilled. In a faint echo of that here on earth, coming to Mass gives us hope, consolation and strength to persevere. Most of all, the liturgy on earth must be directed towards the Lamb who was slain, not towards ourselves. When that direction to the Lamb is done properly and in a dignified way, as it is done in heaven, then we experience here on earth a taste of what we will experience in the heavenly liturgy. This is a very important fact which must be underlined. God, not man, is at the centre of Catholic liturgy. We come to worship him. The liturgy is not about you and me. It's not where we celebrate our own identity or achievements or exalt or promote our own culture and local religious customs. The liturgy is first and foremost about God and what he has done for us. In these sacred rites, divinely instituted, we offer Christ's unique and effective sacrifice to the Father time and time again, so that we may obtain the graces that flow from that sacrifice. The Lamb who was sacrificed is at the centre of our worship, but he is also the priest who leads us and the God to whom we pray. The sacred liturgy is a constant unfolding of the miracle of God's intervention in the world, in Christ, so that all would have the means to approach him, to love him and to worship him. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.